What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Average Joe Lawn Care Show, the first show of 2021. I hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas and New Year's. Um, I had, I took, it was good to take a, a couple weeks off from everything, and or at least from the show. I'm still putting some videos out, but anyway, hope you guys uh, just enjoyed your time with family and friends, hopefully. But uh, yeah. We're back at it, just hanging out. Maybe this was a maybe this is a good way for everyone to relax at the end of a, the the first week that maybe people went back to work. I don't know, but uh, tonight I have the one and only John Perry from Loncology. The uh, if you guys don't know him, by I mean if there's no way you're at my channel and don't know John. So uh, anyway, you know that whole one and only thing i don't know if it's really working anymore just in my own family tree there's like 30 john perry's i don't i don't even know if that counts now i'm like just they just gave up giving names to the perry children yeah name that one john too <laughs> well john how are you doing i'm doing great man it's uh it i'm i'm very happy to be in 2021 right now i i feel like uh you know, I have a lot of blessings for 2020. I also have a lot of like, you know, shoe away type blessings sure. towards 2020. Sure. But um, it was a fantastic year uh, professionally, I guess, and personally as well. Um, and, you know, I, I just I'm really looking forward to, to what this year is going to <laughs> surprise us with. Yeah. You know, that's the best way I can put it. I'm ready for surprises. Yeah. Well, if there's anything that uh, 2020 taught us, it's surprises and patience. You know what the best part? This is the best part. I, I sat on a few committees uh, coming into 2020, and everybody had the same thing. A clear vision of the future. That was what every organization and group said as they projected 2020. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Well, no. uh, for for those of you that may be new tonight, uh, I do appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, if you're if you haven't tuned into the show before, I keep this pretty casual. We we try to keep it lawn care related. We will do we will take advantage of uh, you know John being on the show and just answering questions that uh, I would otherwise never know the answer to because I just don't have the knowledge or experience to answer those questions. So we will take advantage of that, but. I like to keep it pretty light. I like to just make it a, a hangout with everybody, just kind of talking and, um, you know, interacting with the audience as much as you can. It's not necessarily a Q&A. It's not, you know, necessarily an interview. It's just we're just hanging out, having a chat, uh, enjoying the, our time with each other and, and just hanging out. So that's kind of how this rolls. And I uh, just wanted to say that real quick before we continue to go. But um, I see... A lot of familiar faces and some a few new faces in the chat tonight. So I definitely appreciate again everyone tuning in uh, and all of that fun stuff. So yeah, John, what do you? What is? Uh, I know you got some people probably know this or not, but you you got everything tearing down in your backyard and oh man, oh it is just a nightmare back there. It is a it is a waking nightmare every day. I look up there and just think, mm, what am I going to do with somewhere around 90 million tons of rock? 
We hammered that thing and pulled so many boulders out. Um, that uh, by the time this thing is done, anybody who has followed along and seen that little tiny back lawn for so many years is going to blow their mind. Um, it's finally utilizing all the space I had back there. You know, that, that back hill was just wild and it was very cool, but you know, it was, it was full of cactus and sagebrush and, and different things that kind of tried to kill you every time you walked up there. Uh, and, and now it's been, you know, kind of stripped and cleaned and topsoil has been set aside and, and it's going to be just a totally different shape and a lot of turf. A lot more turf going on up there, so that's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how the whole layout is going to be because uh, just judging by what I've seen in some of your videos of where the new structure is, um, I'm I just can't like picture where the lawn's actually going to be and all those types yeah. of things. So it'll be interesting to see those types of things kind of come together and all that. I can't wait. I I am like like right now. I just uh, it's not snowing and and I'm like kind of just anxious for spring you know it's it's not that far away but it feels like forever and all i want to do is get up in there get get the get the excavation going further on somewhere where we have to we have to move boulders and and crush stuff and stack rock and bring in dump truck loads and i mean i'm assuming by the time it's all said and done i'm going to need somewhere around 20 dump truck loads of fill and uh 30 dump truck loads of soil to bring in in order to get this up to where it's not just solid rock wow uh underneath what i'm building up it's it's a it's a huge project that's that's crazy and it's probably at that point where in a project where it's like uh you you have the vision still and it's starting to kind of formulate and you're starting to see the vision come together but it still looks awful compared to what it it was prior to obviously and it's I kind of hate that part of the project because it's it you, it seems like you're sitting in that part of the project before it ever actually starts looking better and better and better. Yeah, it's true. I, I really like how you just sort of yanked at my emotions there and reminded me about how miserable <laughs> it is. That was really nice of you. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, no, but you're right. Uh, you know, the, the thing is, um, it, to kind of put it in, I did a little live thing earlier today and I was sitting up there. And I kind of pointed out a couple things that were really exciting to people, like the dumpster. The dumpster was very exciting for a lot of people. Uh, and the reason I actually pointed it out was because where this thing is sitting and, and kind of what we've had to do is, is I've already lost about five, maybe maybe 700 square feet of where the lawn was previously. And it's going to remain lost. It's never coming back. It, it's an area where there, there will be like parking and gravel and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, that little area really shrunk back, but, uh, by the time it's all said and done, the, the whole thing should be somewhere between five, five or 6,000 square feet and really kind of segmented off into a very cool, kind of cool different levels and, and, uh, areas to test things and, and sort of challenge my own, um, you know, turf knowledge, sure. I suppose. Um, well, I'm going to jump into the chat really quick. Uh, oh Lazy Lawns asked if that was an old-fashioned. Yes, Derek, you know it. By the way, Lazy, th- uh, Derek, thanks for tuning in. I don't think I've seen you on the show 
uh, since I've started, so I appreciate you stopping by. Lawn Creeps uh, asked, first question for John, Lawncology versus Lawn Creeps disc golf tournament. Who wins? Uh, me, 100%, hands down, you're screwed. Uh, skateboarding contest, um, I wouldn't even bother showing up for that. Um, you know, that, that would be like, I'd be on a longboard. Well, that's not true. I'd be laying on the pavement as my longboard kind of shot past and went towards you. That would probably be how that contest would go. But no, you're done, bro. Sorry. Do you play a lot of uh, a lot of disc golf? Not anymore. Um, I, I did. I actually did. I used to play in tournaments all the time. Uh, that was something that I really did enjoy. Uh, but I played I played golf, and um, the disc golf actually more came around during the recession <laughs> more than anything else. It was like it didn't cost anything to get sure. into it. And so there was kind of a lot more time to do that kind of thing. Did you whittle your own uh, discs? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it's not a thing at all. Um, but no, I, I, did, I did play a ton. I did play a ton. And I, I do really enjoy it. I think it's actually pretty fun. It's very challenging. Very challenging. Yeah, my, bro- my oldest brother plays a lot. And uh, I near at our new house, there's disc golf ter- uh courses there's one that's like probably a mile or two from my house and it's a really good course it has really good ratings from people that are actually good at at disc golf um and i've played nine holes there i had my son walk with me he's my caddy um yeah but uh, i'd like to go out there and play a full round because i kind of like it it's it is i find it relaxing with a beat fit right in. I mean, I, you'd be just perfect out there. We'll get you some tie dye and, uh, you'll be ready to rock and roll. Um, we'll jump into some quick lawn questions from some of the people in the chat. Tony Bowman asks, what's the earliest date to start putting down Furt? Well, it really depends on where you are. A hundred percent. That depends on where you are. People are still fertilizing across, uh, California. If you're anywhere near the coast, Florida is, is arising. Um, you know, Arizona is actually still like all the people that planted, uh, sowed ride grass over their Bermuda. Um, they would be fertilizing right now here where I am, um, in my backyard, I will be lucky to fertilize the first time between April 15th and May 1st would be, would be a possible in reno uh, in that area which it gets a pretty good winter we started around march between march 1st and march 15th on most years uh, i'm a big fan of just getting out there and nailing grass early as soon as it looks like there's not going to be any more snow or whatever throw down the end and let it kind of sit there and work its way in you know slowly water in so that way there's just energy bang second it warms up that stuff just goes uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Dad Who Mows Best and Lazy Lawns for the super chat. Thank you guys for that. That that means a lot to me. I appreciate that support. Um, Choppers, would you? What were you gonna? Were you gonna? I was gonna say something, Derek. You know, uh, just I, I have to say, man, you have been just. You look like you're getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And shout out to personal health on that one. That's right. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. More and more like Ashton Kutcher every day. I well, I that that was, he was the one who led uh, the the Movember thing last not last year twenty nineteen. Yes. Yeah, twenty nineteen. 
2020, everybody stopped caring. We should have had a COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chopper Styles, he asks, should you throw starter fertilizer before you lay Bermuda sod? Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, everything comes down to how quickly you can establish something, right? So, um, I, I, I go back and forth on recommending, uh, fertilizer straight out of the gate without knowing what you're planting into. However, if you follow sort of a base recommendation of starter fertilizer, like what's on there, which I think like say like Scott's, for instance, I want to say that their base rate is somewhere around. Uh, like point, maybe 0.65 or 0.7 pounds of N and somewhere around like 0.8-ish pounds uh, of P. And for the most part, that's going to be fine just to go ahead and throw down, uh, give a little energy to that turf. You have to realize that if you're bringing sod in, likely it was fertilized pretty heavily shortly before it was cut and brought to market uh, because they wanted to look its best and they wanted to move fast. So so it's usually fairly heavily fertilized coming off the truck. And uh, it, it doesn't necessarily need a lot of nitrogen at that point. So, so you could do something a little bit different and, uh, you know, focus on a little bit different energy there um, and, and maybe attain a better result just because there's so much already packed into that market ready so sod. when they put, uh, like when they cut the sod, obviously there's, you know, like a, I don't know, an inch and a half, maybe two inches of soil kind of underneath the grass. Mm -hmm. Does the, uh, the nitrogen or fertilizer they put down, would you lose some of that because they're cutting some of the ground off that some of the nutrients may have gone into past that point? You know, as far as nitrogen goes, probably not, you know, a good majority of that. So, so there's kind of a split that happens where, uh, it, depending on when they fed or how they fed, you might have a certain amount lost to the atmosphere. You're going to have a certain amount that goes to feed soil life. And then you have a certain amount that goes to the plant, but nitrogen typically doesn't have the ability deep. It's being picked up all over the place by the roots. And yes, you do get, you do get a cut off of the roots, but not, not a ton stays behind. So, uh, I believe he said it was Bermuda. Yes. Uh, sod. Yes. When they when they harvest that, so the rows kind of look like this, right? And they cut through and they comb it out. So so they cut the middle like that, mm -hmm. and and they leave strips down so that it grows back together. And then they cut the next strips out. So Bermuda is always in this kind of constant flux. So the roots and you know are, are just sort of, you know, always kind of in the soil it doesn't really lose a whole lot sure well dad who mows best he said every time he laid sod uh he was told not to fertilize for at least 30 days with and he has warm season grass i believe he's down in austin texas you know it's funny because uh in florida that's uh, that's a fairly common thing as well they say well they you know tell us not to do anything and uh, you, you know we never did that Laying, laying turf here, uh, landscaping all those years ago, um, it, it was like, wh why wouldn't you want to get it established quickly, right? So you don't want to feed it in because you don't want to force the top growth. That's, that's, that's kind of the big deal. Suddenly push the top growth and there's, there's no structure underneath. You're not really going to win there. Sure. Um, so, you know, years ago, we found that pre-treating the soil and giving encouragement so that it would tack and, and just really get into the ground faster was the answer. And then, you know, like any normal turf, 
30 days, 45 days after you just started on a program and you're off to the races. Mm. That makes sense. Uh, let's see. Oh, the, the neighbor dominator. He said, what about dormant seating in between snow melts? Ooh, good question. So let's think about this, uh, from a natural standpoint, right? Um, Grasses, plants in general, have to reproduce. They they move to seed head. The seed head falls. Typically, winter happens at that point, and nothing really moves again until springtime. And that seed can sit and hang out uh, and not do anything until conditions are right. Um, you know, I believe personally, I, and this is I'm only I'm going to say this is opinion, and I don't really care if anybody hates on it or not. I believe you can seed anytime. I don't see any reason why you can't seed anytime, but you have to be in control of sort of the the temperature and the management of that. So if you were to go out in midsummer and do it, well, you might not have as much luck. You'd have to be watering and cooling the temperature of that soil and where the seed hits all the time in order to have germination take place. But you can still do it. It just takes a lot more time and energy. So... I believe it's possible. I don't know what your total, um, you know, germination percentage is going to be. Uh, but a seed knows when to grow more than we can tell it. Sure. Well, Mark jumped in from lawn creeps. He said dormant. Oh, he said uh, dormant seeding rules only (laughs) if the weather is absolutely perfect. Cold, no thaws, average spring, not super wet with lots of, uh, temp fluctuations. Otherwise perfect natural stratification. That sounds like something Mark would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how did so? I I wanted to kind of jump in uh, and ask you because you were one of the like when I first started getting involved with all the YouTubers and stuff, um, and started making my own content and really getting into my own lawn for, uh, I mean, whatever it is. But uh, you were one of the first persons I found. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what made you start getting into or creating YouTube content? Obviously you were already the founder and whatnot of green County at that point. I'm assuming maybe not. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. How long have you been, how long have you been with, or how long have you done that or been with green County and created that company? Well, this is a great opportunity. Here we go. We'll tell, we'll tell a little bit of story. So, uh, prior to Green County being a thing, and, and I'll, I'll get to that point here in a second. So BioGreen was my first uh, business, and it was a spray company. And, and I actually have some old things here that I, I pulled for, out of the closet just because I wanted to show them. So this is, this is one of the old hats, and you can see it's stained with sweat and disgusting. I still have it. There's one. And then I have these really cool uh, shirts at one point that I tried to make that looked like kind of the mystery machine. I wanted it to look kind of Scooby Dooish, bio green thing from way back in the day. But I, I, I was a spray in the field and, and kind of had a bigger vision for it. So, bio green was uh, a license company. That was that's kind of how I started it out. So people could license the brand, and then I was making the product and, and selling the product. And I had all these locations around the country. Well, 
there were a lot of exclusives that went along with that. And so certain counties or areas or states or zip codes or whatever couldn't, you couldn't have more than say one customer in that zone. And uh, we started getting all these requests from larger companies that we couldn't necessarily service because they didn't want to license. That's not what they wanted. They wanted the product because they had a competitor or whatever. They saw how it worked. And uh, so we started sort of a private label company that was called Green County Fertilizer Company. Um, I didn't know that it was going to take off like it did. I had no idea. I didn't think that it was going to be a thing. And, and I, I had uh, trademarked the N-EXT thing years earlier. And I just one day I, I was talking to my plant manager and I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to start a line called the next line. That's what it's going to be. And we're going to go ahead and break apart our product that we have as a combo. And we're going to sell the individual components. And let's just do it, you know, because people are asking for that. And then it just kind of went like. So um, I never wanted to do video. I never wanted to be a content creator. I never wanted to be on YouTube. I had no desire to do it. It was nothing that ever appealed to me as a person. Um, I loved public speaking. I loved teaching. I loved doing CEUs. I loved, uh, you know, going to these trade shows and and doing that kind of stuff. But I didn't want to do uh, just to be talking to a, a mm-hmm. camera. It didn't feel natural, right? I love human interaction. Sure. And um, you know, Alan Hain came and and sat in on a, a a presentation I did at at a real green conference, which actually funny enough, just ended. So that was three years ago. Three years ago, he he showed up, he sat and listened. I had no idea who he was. There's a picture of me and him and some other random guy who was like, holy cow, it's John Perry and the lawn care nut. Can we get a picture? And, and I'm like, I don't know who this this guy is. <laughs> sure. And I'm standing there with like this real, it's kind of like this, like this kind of thing. And so he went back uh, home and he, he did a little video like I sat on on this stuff and, you know, I listened to this and it was pretty cool and the, everything. And, and then all of a sudden we started getting bombarded with calls. So, um, you know, I, I reached out to him. We started kind of figuring out, could, could this be whatever? Is, it, is this something that people might like? Sure it is. But I needed to create videos to talk about that stuff and to talk about why and how it worked in order to support Alan and Pete and, and, and move that, that whole side forward. And then I started to really like it. I, I thought it's, it was fun, you know? Uh, the, but I look back on my old videos and I'm like, this stupid clown, you know, like you don't even know what you're doing. You can't even hold a camera. All you can hear is like, this. <laughs> you know, like moving the thing, you know? Um, so it, I think it's, I think it's pretty fun to do now. And to be honest, I don't really care like, you know, what, who, who feels like it's good or not, because I enjoy the creative part of it. Sure. Now, did you know, did you know Alan when you like wanted to start the whole next line or was that pre Alan? Pre, that was pre, uh, because professionally we were already selling. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I've been doing this since 2003. Okay. So, uh, um, it's not, it's not new, you know, it, it's funny because it's like, it's like new to the YouTube community sure. at this point, I guess it's not, it's a, a couple years old. So in internet years, it's like a thousand years old, but it was new and it was exciting, but we were, we've been doing this for so long. 
and you know studying and 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 doing university trials and data and and having articles written i mean you can go back and find stuff uh that was written on us as a company from you know 2008 2009 and old turf magazines and stuff like that because we've kind of been around for a while but you don't it was behind the scenes i suppose is the best way to put it uh well, I remember like one of the first series you did that I when I was really learning a lot uh, from you and many others in the community. You were doing your soil series, and that was that was fun. that that I, like it. It just fascinated me. And for those of you in the chat that don't know, I'll put a play. I have a playlist already put together. I'm gonna put that in the chat uh, for you guys. But that was one of my favorite things. Just to, I mean, you talked about things that I had probably no idea went over my head but i still gathered i feel like a good base of information because that i felt like you were explaining things to you in a way that somebody on my level of understanding which isn't very much as a homeowner could understand um and i i thought that was really cool because sometimes it's just like it can become very technical and it's kind of it's easy to get lost i would say that's just the best way to put it I actually 100% agree with you. I think that from from all of the the conferences, the speakers, the people that I've sat in on and listened to, what what I've what I've found over the years is that people like to focus on this like little tiny thing right over here, and and they just drive that thing over and over. When the vastness of what we're trying to do, it, it's so much greater. And this little thing plays a role, right? It plays, but there's this greater piece. Now, I know, I know from experience and when I was selling lawn care, okay? So when I was out spraying and I was selling lawn care, I was so hyped up on like that. I wanted to explain all this stuff in the beginning. And what I would see is I would be talking and be like, you know, hey, this is what you said. And the, and the person would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you, are you okay? I don't know. I fell asleep because I don't really care. Like, oh, okay. Uh, so at the end of the day, what the reality is, is, is for most people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's probably in the upper 90s percent, uh, they want a green lawn. Yeah. And, and they don't necessarily want to work super hard to get it. Uh, they want to know quickly I don't want to make a bunch of mistakes. So, so can you give me step one, two, three, and and have it be green? And and I, I kind of have to go back to those roots sometimes. And I love talking about the soil stuff. I love talking about microbiology. I love talking about the nutrients, how they interact, and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, does it matter to most people? Sure. To most people. So I, I think it's important to kind of keep a to keep kind of a level head on that stuff and, and be able to explain it in a way that a person can get excited about it to say, Hey guys, do you know why your grass is green? It's because of these things. And like, huh, holy crap. You know, I never really thought about it that way. And you just sort of expand a horizon, but you don't drive it home as you know, this, this one little bacteria over here is doing all of this work. And if you don't nurture that one thing, you fail. Nobody knows. Well, and I also think it's, uh, you know, like you said, most people just want a green lawn, but at the same time, um, 
you know, when you're teaching those people that know very little, it's, it, it, at least from a DIY and homeowner perspective, I can't, I don't know about the professional aspect of things. I, I just assume many professionals know things, but I could be way wrong about that. But um, as far as the homeowner perspective, you know, I, I think you, you guys do a really good job at teaching people, but teaching them in a responsible way and not just because, you know, anybody can go grab a, a bag of fertilizer and dump two pounds of N on their yard and they're probably going to be okay, maybe, but they're like, do you really need to put that amount of fertilizer down? And that's, that's one thing I think, um, you know, you guys do a really good job at it of explaining that to people that uh, are just getting started to not overdo things, you know, cause it is kind of taking responsibility and taking care of the environment and those types of things by doing what we do. So, you know, and, and I think that people hear things differently as well. So, I mean, okay. So everything you just said, I think is absolutely true. And, um, you know, I don't, I, nobody really needs to stand on an environmental soapbox sure. and say, you should cut, cut, cut. What would be better? I think, okay. I just think is if I said, Hey, um, what if you could have a beautiful lawn, but you only needed to like spend half the money? Sure. Like people would get excited about that rather than me saying, what if you could, what, what the con is a dead manatee? You know, no, nobody really wants to hear that. They don't, they don't want to hear that. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to hear that. That's not a thing. So, I mean, you can communicate to people on a different standpoint because there's, there's like, uh, you know, people who really believe that fertilizer is the devil and there's people who just use it because that's what their, their grass needs. And they, you know, they've been taught a certain way. And, um, you know, I, I love that more and more the, the universities are kind of changing their pattern on how they recommend things. And, and it's becoming way more, um, I'm not going to say conservative. I'm going to say responsible, I think, because they're, they're doing, they're seeing that for the most part, there's a lot of people, homeowners, I'm, I'm saying homeowners, for so long, the whole university data is based on professional turf. And I'm talking golf, right? And I'm talking high traffic turf. I'm talking sports fields and, and things that are high viewed, high traffic that are going to require a lot more, more uh, pushes in order to be in the health of what people see. But, uh, you know, on a, on a home lawn, we don't have the traffic, Right. We don't have people who don't know how to swing a wedge out there in the front lawn, just chunking the grass up every day. It doesn't require the same amount of push that you would need to do to maintain this healthy green space. And so I I see a lot of soil tests from like Clemson, for instance, and and they're, they're very like, hey, you only need between two and two and a half pounds of nitrogen. Don't push it. It's, it's a lawn. It's a lawn. It's not a green. It's not a fairway. You know, you, you have a lot and it's going to look beautiful. You don't have to shove things down its throat like you would if it was getting driven on every single day. And it was, it was uh, like exposed like a golf course is. I mean, you just have to think about the exposure is totally different than what's on a lawn. You know, there's just, there's a lot of differences there. And I think that people are kind of starting to get that now that they don't need to crazily overdo it. They have their own space. You tend to your soil. You have beautiful grass. You feed it 
what it needs. You don't need to overdo it. And that way you have a lower maintenance lawn that looks beautiful. That makes sense. That's what I, because I, I live across the street from a greenskeeper. He's a, um, um, I forget the superintendent at a golf course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things he talks about. And I'm like about, you know, just tra- high traffic and the fairways in certain areas. I'm like, man, I don't even think mm-hmm. about that. Like there's so many, it's, that's why I, I hope to maybe go on a little, you know, a day in the life kind of video with him someday and um, just talk to him. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of things that many DIYers probably wouldn't care about because they're not nerdy about it like I am, but it would just be something that would take it to another level of just all the things they have to think about and consider when they're managing a golf course and trying to make, not just managing, but trying to make it look really good because you can manage a golf course and still make it look terrible. So, um, it's true. It's very true. And, and, you know, we, uh, we've had a, a fairly decent presence in the golf industry for a while. Um, you know, working on like, we, we do a lot with spoon feeding greens and tea boxes and things like that. And, uh, weekly applications are very regular. That's a normal thing. And, uh, it was really fun to get to learn about a lot of that, the golf side, um, in the, would you call it the late two thousands? I don't know. Cause it's not like 2090 yet, but, but like the early late 2000. 2007, six <laughs> to nine. Is that the late 2000s? I don't know what that is. Um, but like during that time, I got to spend a lot of a lot of time with superintendents and learning things and um, seeing how things worked out there and, and really getting an idea of what the best uh, methods were in order for them to see the results that they did. A lot of very cool things came out of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, jumping back into the chat, Emilio, he... Uh, he said, a new lawn owner here in Buffalo, New York, during moving day, the movers destroyed the front lawn uh, with their trucks. So any ideas? Thanks for the great work. Okay. That is such an open question. Emilio, specifics are very important. I don't know what kind of <laughs> turf you have, number one. Um, for the most part, I, I don't get too concerned with it. One of the biggest damages that can ever happen to, to just turf and soil in general is if it was sort of, uh, if the soil was saturated and heavy equipment was driving across it, you can, you can really crush pore space, push a lot of water out and create a significant amount of compaction and compaction is the enemy of healthy turf. So, you know, in, in that case, you may have to do some things in order to get that loosened back up. But I mean, if you've got, um, you know, St. Augustine or Bermuda or, or something like that, that's going to crawl back in. You need to kind of encourage that. Just break up that soil a little bit, allow it to come back in. Um, if it's fescue, might as well go buy some seed. It's going to be the fastest thing. Bluegrass will spread in quickly, but you can seed into a lot of those things. And don't freak out, man. It's just grass. It's just grass. It grows back. It does it. If oh, this is going to sound terrible. If I died to to tonight, right? If I died tonight, my grass that was up on the back hill is going to be green in the spring and it's going to fill in whether I'm here or not. It, it, it knows what to do, right? It may not be able to be mowed at a quarter inch or a half an inch, but it's going to grow back and it's going to be just fine whether I'm here or not. So don't freak out about it. There's only certain things that you can control. I think, uh, so I think 
because I, I, I'm not going to lie, there's plenty of times where I have worried or overthought things or whatever it may be. Uh, I think it's maybe the being young and new into something and, and not wanting mm-hmm. to mess up. Sure. I think that's really what it is. And then after you get past that point and you're more experienced, if you still have it, I think it's more about the pride and time you put into something and you don't want somebody to ruin it that at that point then it's like okay i agree yeah i do i do agree uh you know we become emotionally attached to things uh very much so and i would take it upon myself as a challenge right like if something happened i'd be like what do i know now now that i've done all this work and i put all this time in that would make this jump back how quickly can i make this happen personal challenge, right? I want this grass to be thick and full by this date. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I, I think that's kind of a better approach, you know, like don't, don't freak out about it. Don't congratulations. You moved into a new place or you got a new couch. That's pretty exciting. The grass is going to grow back. Now it's up to you to sig- figure out how much it's going to be, you know, how, how much time it's going to take for you to get there. Yeah. Cause that's like when this past year, when I had all that fungus in the yard, I, I, at first, I was like, oh, you I was like, oh, my. I was like, I don't know what to do. And then after a while, I was like, all right, I can't really do anything about it other than just try to learn from people that are smarter than me and, and look at things and read things and go from there. And then, uh, you know, once I followed the advice of wiser people, it helped out. And I learned I learned quite a bit along the way, especially because I had never dealt with anything um like pH related and, and trying to help soil pH. Honestly, like I'm pretty young and naive uh, and have little experience with uh, treating and fertilizing a, a yard because I didn't really start until I actually, we owned our own home, which was back in, uh, let's see, so like 2017, 2016. Uh, so, and prior to that, I, I like mowed lawns, like I mowed lawns when I was a kid and loved doing it, but I had never really actually fertilized and, you know, maintained and treated it from that perspective. So I still have a lot to learn just from a, a year to year basis. And, um, so yes, I did panic when that happened. <laughs> I'm going to go with your, your naive. I wouldn't call you young. I well, I just mean young in in terms of experience. <laughs> um, I'm going to take read one more question out of the chat, and then I'm going to jump into a, a little segment that I am going to try out this show. Um, it's from Super T, or no, no, not that one. Sorry, Super T. I'll get back to your question. Um, Is that Super T A? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, I'm not even going to tr- pr- try to pronounce your last name, but he said. Uh, what can you do to fight against winter salt damage in turf? Oh, that is a great question. Okay, so uh, salt is a major issue, especially around here. I mean, if you are in any place where there, uh, where you salt driveways, salt roads, things like that, it, it is a major issue. Now, there there is uh, salt travels with water. Okay, uh, you can it's going to kind of sort of raise and lower with when you water around here in, in Utah that everybody always recommends gypsum kind of try to like make the soil more porous, I guess, and push the salt down. Uh, if you do a, a watering where you kind of like 
fill the pan, for instance, like six inches deep and allow the water to sort of go back down. The salt will travel with it and eventually get below the root zone. And in agriculture, that's called the salt pan. Uh, sometimes it's called the nutrient pan. Um, so that's going to be your best bet. But for the, it's going to damage the turf. Uh, it is going to dry the turf. It is going to make conditions more rough for your turf to recover. And I, I, I've, over the last few years, I've kind of come to the mind of this because uh, I, I have people who say that maybe they had a chemical spill or they had this or that or something that killed turf. What can I do to bring it back? At this point in my life, I say uh, grab a sod knife, cut it out, go get some, put it back in its place and just replace it quickly so that you're not throwing good money after bad trying to recover something that could very easily be replaced for pennies. So, um, but, but again, around here, most all of the bluegrass recovers very quickly. Uh, I'd say within about six weeks of the snow melting, you see the salt damage, but then with enough irrigation and the way things move, it, it all comes back anyway. So it just sort of depends. That makes, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I, we, we get enough really salt from the trucks around here because we don't get a ton of snow. We do get, uh, I mean, the snow has been very limited this year so far, but we don't get a ton of snow in the first place that I think we get so much salt on the roads that starts affecting those types of things. So, um, I'm lucky I don't have to deal with that. So it's just an extra thing, right? <clears throat> just another thing to learn yeah. from. That's right. All right. So as John and many of the YouTubers in the uh, chat here or watching that just aren't participating in the chat, we all know that there's those frequent commenters that are the either know-it-alls or they uh, are just kind of rude. Not kind of. They are rude. And um, they know they're doing it. So I'm doing a little segment called... Uh, keyboard warriors i don't know i i can't i can't coin that i think i still have, i heard it from uh um from connor ward so um john gave me three comments that he pulled from some of his videos and he can add to it after we cover these if he wants but um here we go here's the first one it says, do you guys like my house? I bought selling, ma I, I like my house, I bought selling magic water. I really needed to show the entire property yeah. to talk about sprinklers. You guys keep buying because I need to do some updates on my holiday home. And since my stuff is the best, get out there and start dumping it on your lawn. I appreciate it, I'm sure. I love that guy. And I'll tell a story because there's, in, in a minute, I'll tell a story because there's a second one from that same person. I don't know. Did you save that one too? Do you have that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's in there. Okay. If you want to go ahead and do that one, and then I'm going to tell a story about this particular person. Okay. Well, there's another one after this one that I'll, I'll do. <laughs> um, I'll just, I guess I'll just go into oh. the other one that you're talking about from the same person. By the way, I took, I did not supply anyone that had horrible swear words <laughs> or threats against myself or my family. Uh, those, those are not included. In no, here. yeah, we, we, we made sure these were clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from the same guy. I believe this is what you're talking about, John. 
Yes. Um, he wrote, this is, man, this guy really took some time to write this. Chapter, <laughs> chapter two. Chapter. Anytime a grown man puts dye on his beard, you are dealing with an uh, <sighs> egotistical maniac, but we already knew that from this guy. He sells water with $10 worth of supplement in it for over $100. Shipping water through the mail can get expensive. I have duped all... I have duped all his company's products with $10 worth of kelp extract, a little humic and fulvic soluble powder, and a spoonful of micronutrients that people pay hundreds of dollars for, and you do too. Hold on, I need a drink of water. I'm in the middle of this one. Yeah, you're going to have to get there. This is a long one. In fact, my test plots show mine appears to be working better. By the way, it's considered rude to talk to people wearing cheap sunglasses. Also, how much did you pay for that 1933 German haircut? <laughs> tied up, tied on the sides, baby. <laughs> last, last but not least, that's a nice example of how to care for your sprayer. So clean and spot, so clean and spotless. John's still holding down the number one spot on YouTube for the jerk of the industry. Have a good one. Isn't that nice? Yeah. That was so nice. You know, the, the, the takeaways on this is, and there were more, okay? I, I, this person was, was on me for a while. Uh, it was so, um, like, sort of cosmetology-related, which was really weird. You know, it's like fingernails and, and beard dye <laughs> and haircuts. And so I felt so weird. Like, what is this person looking at? Now, first of all, there has never been any dye that has gone anywhere on this whole thing that I've got going. I'm so excited to get gray hair. I just hope to have hair, to be gray. I mean, I'd say this is really like my goal in life is to actually just let let myself grow old gracefully. And uh, that stuff, I just, I cracked up. So this person emailed me. Um, the nicest email, I swear to God, it was like, Hey, I've been watching your stuff for a long time. I'm in the medical industry and I love seeing the tests and data. And you did a video about like, you know, data and things that you've done on your products. I'd love to be able to see that because I love it. Great, blah, blah, blah. It was so nice. And it came literally 24 hours after one of these types of comments. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, I, I didn't know how to handle it. You know, like, well, you know, sure, here's the data. You know, enjoy. And then I never heard from that person again. Interesting. Never, not not one thing. So, but it was consistent. Every video I put out, it was something about the way I looked. And it would be weird, like, hey, check out his watch. It says 315. We all know it's 615. You know, like, what is going on? I feel weird. I've never had commenters like this. Like, I've had a few random people... And it's never been like on new videos. I usually, it'll be a video that's been out for like six months and somebody will come in and troll. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. They they tend to come in late. This one was like, yeah. bang. It was, it was within minutes. Like, how did you see so much detail? <laughs> that's crazy. You're, you're amazing. Like, I should hire you to edit. So this next one isn't quite as, uh, <laughs> quite as long and winded. Pretty short, actually. Short, very boring, easy. ugly idiot. Yeah, that's it. It's always about looks. 
And I just, you know, they, they have taken me from a solid six. I mean, I'm, I'm a solid six <laughs> down to like a four, I think. Uh, uh, maybe six and a, no, it's six. I'm a six. Um, I, I don't think, are there any more? Do you have That's more? The, that you just sent me three, but if you have others. I just sent you three. I'm going to tell you a story. Just a quick one. Uh, you know, I have a lot of videos about humic because we're a humic manufacturer. It's not like the only thing we do, but people tend to think that that's the only thing we do. It's just a piece. It's a little piece of this whole thing. Um, and, and I did a video where I compared like our humic 12 to a soluble powder because we don't do soluble powders. That's not part of our process. It's not a thing. I showed how it settled out. And, and like what happened. I remember over, that video. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to show people like, look, here's what happens. You know, when, when you do this, if you did a lab test, a pull, whatever, it, it's not going to react the same. So this person keeps posting. I mean, like on every video I've got that's about humic talking about this other brand. And I, and I, I don't delete comments unless they are really horrible, like horrible that nobody should read. You know, that would make your mom blush kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he's posting about these other other products. And, and I I just I would ask a question every time you would post. I would just ask a question. And so finally, after like the fifth or sixth one in a day, um, and where he's talking about this thing, I, I just said, hey, I want you to know that in that video, I used the product that you're talking about. That was the one I used to show the difference between the two. And I still have it. I think it's a great material, but it's not going to do. It's not the same. But he was promoting this thing saying it's so much better. It's so much better. And it was the freaking stuff that I used to show that actually settled out of the material. I'm like, that's fine. I don't, you know, whatever. But it was just really interesting because I get a lot of that stuff too. There there's a significant amount of competitors that want to comment and, and things like that because I do own a fertilizer company and I should expect that. And I want to honor those too. I'm not going to just take a dump on, on people who are, who are posting things. I'm not going to do that. I want them to be able to have a voice. And then I'm going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, here's this and this and here's a comparison. And then you never really hear about it. So for those of you who read comments, you'll see that I, I try to respond to everything I can. Um, and, and I want people to have their voice. I don't really think that censorship in that space is okay. Unless you're being a total yeah. online, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to keep it family friendly. Well, I mean with John Perry on the show, you never know what's going to happen. So, Hey man, I'm doing pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, we have around close to 50 people watching. So again, thank you. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and smash that like button for me while we're in the oh, middle God. of the sh uh, show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not about the smashing part, but well, about the smashing part. Yeah. Don't break your screen. Um, anyway. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't deal with those kind of people in my comments. I don't know. Maybe I haven't hit that algorithm yet in YouTube. Maybe not, but let's let's just say this for all those of you who are watching. Um, ben is a hell of a guy, you know. Uh, I I will say from being able to meet a, a, a lot of, of people 
uh, a lot of guys on YouTube and, and get to know them on a more personal level and get to hang out with them, shake hands. Maybe there was a hug involved, right? You don't know. Uh, you know, I, I like to get to know these guys and, uh, you know, Ben comes out there from a, just this straight level of he wants to learn, he wants to excel, and, and he wants to share his experience. And, and I believe that you do that extremely well. And, and your personality that it comes across on, on camera is you. And I, I think it's really wonderful. And it's just sort of a props to you on how you are who you are and how you do things. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. There is a there is a sense of humor that I have, but I don't feel like I'm good at bringing it out when I'm by myself. Like I, I you're not good at bringing it out in person. Well, either. if I have somebody that's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about if I have like somebody with me like like when I, like when I'm with my buddies or like kind of how you and I are going back and forth just joking and saying mm -hmm. dumb things. If I have if I had somebody like that in my videos, <laughs> It'd be completely different, but I like one person I think that's kind of good at it uh, is Justin, uh, the Lawn Whisperer, because he'll just like it's almost like he's he's when he does a video, it's like the camera is a person, like that's what it is to him. So he'll make a joke, like they're immediately going to laugh, and he's going to hear that, even though it's just an awkward silence after he says it. Absolutely, <laughs> he he watched too many episodes of The Office, <laughs> yes. Justin. I love you. Too many episodes of The Office, and I think spent way too much time alone. I, I kind of think that's what it is, because he's really honed that skill of being able to do like the awkward silence and the that's yeah. what she said. He's very good at very I'm, good. At I think there's several that. videos where I left a comment saying, How do we know that's what she said? And who is she? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Provocative. Um on a more serious note, I wanted to go back up to some of these questions because yeah. uh, oh, I wanted I like to take advantage of uh, having you on the show with your knowledge and all that jazz. Um, Mario asked, how important is it to know our CEC number from a soil test? I've used my soil and it does not have that. He didn't put that, but I know it doesn't have CEC on it. Sure. Okay, so the biggest thing about that is this. Um, if you know your CEC, uh, you know the best way to feed. And um, I, I know that I've seen in the past people who have been like, I go on the schedule and I go on the schedule and the lawn just dumps color or it dumps color and it, and it spikes and it dumps and it spikes. And, and that's because they're feeding it wrong. They're, they're overfeeding it. And then it's starving, overfeeding and starving. And so I think from that aspect, it's really important. Um, and this is going back to my conversation earlier about saying we really care about the green, right? Not, not necessarily everything that's happening in the soil. But if you have a super low CEC, it's better to take more of a spoon feeding approach. If you have a super high CEC, you can load it up and then wait eight or 10 weeks before you have to do anything again. You kind of have a little bit more of a lax way of feeding. So that is if you're struggling to keep or maintain color, this is when it's really important to understand what your CEC, your soil particle size, all of that kind of stuff. Just, just so you can be feeding correctly as far as your spacing. When you see, when you were mentioning, like you see, when people say they see the color fall off and everything, 
Um, mm-hmm. Is that when somebody generally has a lower CEC or a higher CEC? Typically. Okay. Lower, typically. Uh, or, I mean, it could be higher as well if they're not giving enough on the front edge. So, you know, you, you have to look at it like there's there's only a certain amount of contact points for nutrients that are charged uh, to, to connect and exchange and, and make it into the soil solution. And um, when you have really like sandy soils, for instance, you, you, you're better off doing a slower, uh, more often feeding in order to maintain green grass because it'll just dump. It, it can only take up a certain amount. So I use this sort of general rule of thumb that if you know your CEC number, okay, so if you see that number and let's say it's a seven, okay, you have a seven CEC that doesn't have a lot of exchange sites. Don't feed more than two times that many pounds of nitrogen per acre in any one feeding. That's the general rule. Okay. So if you have a higher CEC, it can take a lot, you know, a 20, like my soil up here is between 25 and 28, kind of in that range. That means that I could put down a pound, pound and a quarter of nitrogen and let it sit for a long time. But the reality is I don't give mine more than a pound and a quarter in an entire season. I don't, I never give it more than that. I keep it really super low, lower maintenance. You know, that's just kind of what I'm going for. So, um, that, that's the more important reason for the general homeowner is how you're going to feed, not how much you're going to feed. Sure. Well, I wanted to, uh, Emilio, the guy that talked about the movers ripping up his lawn, he, he left a few more or one more comment. He said they left tire lines. He didn't leave. He just said tire lines, like four of them. And his lawn's like 1,300 square feet. So I'm assuming he's just talking about the tire lines ripped up the lawn. I would imagine just going in those areas and just using like a hand mm-hmm. aerator or or not a manual aerator, not a hand aerator, or like a cultivator maybe breaking up the soil to help any compaction. Sure. Um, that's what I would imagine to do. Because I know sometimes those, like over time, just with watering and, and so on, depending on how bad the rut actually is, it can kind of level it out level itself out to a degree not you know it's not like going to come back to what it normally was without maybe adding a little bit more soil to the area but i know it's not i know generally you can correct me if i'm wrong but i know it's not a good idea to not not address the compaction without uh and then putting soil on top of that so before putting soil on top of that compacted area you'd want to help break it up you want to break it up. I mean, while you have the opportunity, you should always take advantage of it. Um, subsoil compaction is a thing. You know, if, if it was super compacted and you put an inch of topsoil over the top of it, your your grass will never, uh, well, I shouldn't say never, it, it will have a harder time establishing because it has to work around this plate that's been put under the surface. And so you'll struggle more if you don't take the time to break that up. Uh, Jimmy was late to the show. He said, did I miss anything good? And then Grace Ortiz said, he said, yes, John. Uh, Or yes, he said, yes, John said he was going to make you CEO of the company. Uh, Yeah, that's true, Jimmy. Sorry, buddy. You missed it. (laughs) The lotto only strikes once. Oh, man. Oh, Grace. Grace, good to hear from you. Thank you for joining. Um, Ghost Pepper asked, which of your products do you recommend for first application in Northeast Ohio in early spring? Can I take a whack at this? Go for it. Wouldn't it ultimately depend? I don't know, because like you said, I'm 
I always resort back to what is what a soil test looks like. So wouldn't that yeah. ultimately depend on what the soil test shows? But I know like in general, you probably would be safe to put down like your green pop or your uh, green punch. Maybe I don't know. Or what about 901, yeah. the, the 901? Would that be... I, I, I don't know that I would do that. Okay, so... Don't listen early, to me, guys. Early, it's okay. You're good. <laughs> uh, early, early season, if it's pre, uh, at pre-active growing, what are you trying to do? Like, that, that's going to be the question. It's like, what do you, what's your goal? Is your goal to try to force it to wake up? Because that's going to be dependent on soil temperatures. It's going to be dependent on a whole lot of other things that you can't control. So is it the time to just go ahead and put some stuff into the soil that are going to make your first fertilizer more effective when the time comes? So the, those are the questions I would ask. And for the most part, like around here, there's a lot of people who put their soil conditioners out before the grass wakes up. And I think that's a great idea. Throwing down humic, throwing down aerate, stuff like that, from, from us, that's going to be the kicker. RGS, I'd wait until the turf is actively growing. And if you want, if anybody wants, I can get into some of the studies around that stuff too. I'm more than happy to talk about that also. And what we saw in the university trials with Air 8, Green Pop, RGS, things like that. So uh, I know some of the, I have to ask this because I know it's one of the hotter topics at some point in the year with mm-hmm. aerate and mechanical aeration and those types of things. Yes. Um, so, is there anything you could add to that, or yeah, add to that discussion? I would love to. So we did a trial uh, in in 2020. It was really, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it very fascinating. And honestly, there's a lot of data that we're still pulling out that created some some questions um, as far as what was happening with the turf itself when we did the study. But uh, just to round it off, so at the, let's call it the 12-week mark, okay? So we, we're running through the season. We're, we, we've got this aerate treatment. We've got this mechanical aeration. We've got uh, aerate with fertilizer. We've got all these different things. We're, we're taking all these metrics along the way. Every week, UGA is, is taking these measurements all along the way. Uh, soil compaction, surface hardness, uh, water, root biomass, all of these different things so that we can see a true comparison of what's happening between the two. And, and the study used uh, a hollow tine aerator that, that punched six inches deep in the soil. So something that you would see more on a golf course than you would see ever in a professional lawn care or home, home lawn care, uh, a pretty deep tine. Once you're, you're kind of rolling through this thing, the surface tension uh, was one of the things that stayed consistent between mechanical aeration and aerate and staying uh, at, at a much lower compressed rate than the non-treated check. A- as you moved through the entire year, uh, the root mass uh, between the two in the, again, soil removed, six-inch cores or aerate, the root mass increases were identical. The water infiltration rates were identical. Uh, there were all of these things where we actually saw a total matchup between mechanical and the aerate product through the course of the study. And when you think about it, it, it's really interesting because there's two things that happen there with, with a, with an aerator that goes six inches deep in the soil we're we're pulling a plug, right? It's coming out, it's gone. But then with the other stuff, we're, we're applying a liquid over the top. 
So one is having to work from the top down and the other one is having to work from the bottom up, right? So it's two very different things that are happening. If you were to take NXA, just imagine Play-Doh for a second and you have this thing of Play-Doh and you take a hole out and then you push down on that Play-Doh, it's going to come back together. So that alone is going to have a, a, a change in the compaction because you're moving everything into this different place. It has to sort of resettle into this new thing. But with a liquid application, you don't have that opportunity. The only thing that can really do that is the manipulation of the plant and whatever is happening in the soil below. So by the time the study was done, the effective compaction rate on the aerate section was two inches, was where measurable compaction relief took place between here and here. You had the exact same root mass increase between mechanical and, and putting this material down, the same surface hardness, the same water infiltration, everything matched up. And that, it was 50% greater than the check on the root mass. It was around, uh, let's see, let's see if I can do the math on this. Uh, 30%, no, 60% less time for water infiltration compared to the check area. Uh, you, you had all of these things that ended up ultimately matching out to what the mechanical aeration did. And it was so cool. But there were other things that we saw in there that were like, holy crap, uh, we need to dive into this further because I, I looked at this, the first 28 days of the study, the check area performed better than either mechanical or with the liquid applied or with fertilizer applied or anything else. It did fine. It was as if when you fed in or pierced the ground, the, the soil was like, ah, <laughs> took a break. Like it needed to reset. Like, I, I don't want the, any of this, you know? And then all of a sudden it like reset and then it changed. Like there was a dramatic change. Like there was a stress put on the soil where the plant took advantage of it. It pulled the water. It did all of these different things. So compaction actually increased even in the mechanical aeration section after the initial application was done for the first long while. It was really cool. And so I have all of these new questions in my mind about where we're going to drive studies in the future. And I have to say it was fantastic. So takeaway is this. If you apply aerate, you're going to relieve compaction in your lawn. You're going to increase rooting mass, like we've always said. You are going to see increased water infiltration, and it's going to only increase with the applications over time. If you need to mechanically aerate, which I still don't say is a bad practice, the need for that is going to drop significantly. And I mean significantly. So there you go. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm like, there's a lot of really cool things in there that are, are pretty exciting. Do you have plans to make uh, videos on those? Oh, yeah, but I'm waiting until turf season because nobody watches sure. long videos right now. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> That's why we're doing this, because no one's watching. <laughs> mm. Just to let everybody know, before the show even mo. started, Jen's like, how many people show up to this? Like, 10? And I was like, I was like, Wow. What's oh that? no, what happened? Would you just throw that screen on Can there? Can you still hear me? 
Oh, I got you. Yeah, I just have a weird screen. All right. I don't know why my... Oh, you're back. Welcome back. I don't know why that happened. I have it plugged in, so... That was like the 80s. I felt like I was trying to watch that <laughs> channel. You know, but they, they, that happened. You know, that happened on my first show, uh, and uh, everybody's like, "Oh, Ben's video turned into the Pride flag," and uh, <laughs> Justin was on the show, and he thought I was like, uh, he he didn't know what to get, what to do, or what was going on. It was funny, but uh, Super TA he asked a question and dropped it back in. He said, "John, with all with all that you have going on at home, will you have time to get seed down?" Seed. Where am I going to seed? No, here's what I'm going to do, just so everybody's aware. I am going to, um, I'm going to call in back to the same turf that I had before. I'm going to, I'm going to lay uh, sod down in all of the areas that that are going to be new. But this year, I am going to do something different because I think I'm actually going to go ahead and put RPR through there as well. Um, I, I did a little bit of playing with the um, the perennial rye uh, inside the bluegrass last year. And I just like the look and I actually let my kids vote on it and they liked it because it was softer. You know, you're going to get a bunch of haters so, on YouTube like, oh, this, this guy put it sod down. Care. But fine. <laughs> no big deal. You know, my opinion is this. Um, the lawn is going to come in no matter what. Uh, if you live on a steep hill in uh, northern Utah in the high desert, you make your own choices. I will never judge you on seeding or sodding, but I am going to do it the way that I want to freaking do it, and there's nothing anybody can say about it. Yeah, I know all about trying to go grass on hills. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. Actually, it's going to kind of look like one of those like Chinese step farms. Yeah. You know, if you've ever seen those things on like national. That's kind of what the if backyard you, is going to be. If you like. Google tiered Plateau, lawns, you'll be. have that picture, like a picture of what you're talking about will show up. Yeah, that's that's what it's yeah. going to do that. In order for me to be able to properly maintain it, to properly mow it, um, to make sure that the water is going to work properly, I need to work with the slope of my hill. And it's pretty steep. And I don't want to just have a slope. All right, that's not true. There's going to be one slope because I have this really kick-ass slip and slide. It's going to be able to run from the top to the bottom. So it's going to come down and the kids are going to launch off the rock wall and I'm going to go take them to the hospital. But that's fine. I'm, I'm looking forward to that because they haven't been in a while. That's going to be Because they fun. haven't been in a while. <laughs> uh, one last. Hospitals are better now. What's that? Hospitals are better now, I hear. Yeah. That's what I, hear. I don't know where you're getting your information. <laughs> uh, I'll th- I'm going to do one last question on the the liquid or the aeration uh, turf mechanic. He yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Uh, "What about doing both in the same season, liquid and mechanical?" Fantastic! Actually, we ran that study as well. Um, and and here's what's really interesting is through the through the entire trial, which actually ended up taking, uh, I want to say it was around. 12 may have been 14 weeks compaction of soil is constantly fluctuating with rain events with irrigation events uh with drought whatever else there's there's this constant flux that happens there there is no static level and uh the interesting thing about that is compaction relief was the greatest when you did the two combined Mm. it was the greatest when the two were combined but the root mass was less. 
that was really interesting. So it was as if you you sort of trigger different plant responses one way or the other. So we may have had, uh, I think it was around a 35% increase in root mass when the two were together, but the compaction was relieved the most. When you had the aeration alone, you had a 50% increase in root mass. Great. The aerate alone, 50% increase in root mass. If you did aerate plus RGS plus our green punch, which we run as, as a DIY system, 125% increase in root mass. So it was a major difference just in that one alone. But I, I think one of the, the telling signs was this. On the front side of the test, water infiltration and things like that weren't increased. It took time before you saw, and that was including on the side. So it wasn't as if uh, one increased faster than the other. They, they both kind of graduated at the same rate, and then they equalized, and it was pretty cool. So you know, when the, everything was run timed volumetrically, by the time we got to about 12 weeks out even, uh, it took around a minute for water to penetrate six inches deep in the soil on the mechanical aerated side, on the aerate side. On the check side, it took around three and a half minutes. So it was still improving the soil as time went on. Mm. That Yeah, that's one of the things I would imagine the liquid uh, would, would do over some mechanical aeration is that there may be more longer-term effects that are the <clears throat> over the mechanical side of things that, like you said, just take more time to actually start happening in the soil. And we are expanding our studies based on that. We've seen things that say, okay, what happens with timing? What happens with irrigation? What happens with this or that? We want to really see uh, what these improvements are as they stack on top of each other over time. I mean, it it, it opened up some incredible questions and answered a ton of other ones. So it's like, how deep do you go down the rabbit hole is the next sure. question. Uh, Dandy Lawn and Maintenance, he said, I've done both to mine. It's okay. Still, still the best lawn on the block. But what I noticed is over the this winter, it's still very green. <clears throat> I've noticed with mine, That's I've noticed cool. with mine this year, and it could just be because of, uh, I don't know what fertilize when it was last fertilized when we first moved in before Christmas last year, but I do think it held the color uh, a little bit longer this year than it did when we first moved in. Cause I remember when we first moved in, it seemed to be, have a lot more Brown, uh, just dead matter on the top than it currently does. So, um, but that can, can that, can that be attributed to just how late you got your last fertilizer application down? It could. Um, well, I think one of the biggest things that I've seen over time is, is definitely we do, we do see longer green going into winter. We tend to hold color longer, but a lot of that, it, it seems because the growth isn't being forced as much. Uh, so you have a little bit of like a denser, less cell elongation when you're, when you're not forcing growth okay. and that'll hold that sort of chlorophyll a little bit longer and you can keep that green a little bit longer than you would normally see. I gotcha. Um, super TAs, I'm going to, his, I'm actually going to make his the last question. He said, when you said RPR, are you referring to Baron Brug? Yes, I am. Okay. 
I lied. That wasn't the that last was question. Answer. RVA asked, what okay. kind of wine are you drinking? Ah, damn it, Eric. Oh, uh, you know what? I don't know. It was handed to me. Uh, it might have been roofied. No, but I hope not. <laughs> you have been acting a little strange tonight. <laughs> Who are you? No. Uh, that one That one. I'm not exactly sure. I can't I can't see it from here. It's kind of far away. Uh, normally, if you, if you ever if you want a really good table wine, a good table red wine, uh, conundrum, I'm going to recommend. It's a blend, around twenty two dollars. So it's a nice it's a nice bottle, but it's a blend. It is super tasty. It pairs well with red meat, and uh, I I would highly suggest that to anybody. Another one that people don't know about much is Bonanza. It's a really good one. Uh, it is it's something that you should really go after if you can find it. Hold on, let me just ask. Let me ask the wine snob. What is that red wine? What is that red wine? Oh, it's true myth. Hold on, let me get it. <laughs> Ninety points. Ninety points. This is this is. There you go, Eric. It is very good, actually. But I I love. I see. This is from Paso Robles. Very delicious. Fun, fun area of California. If you haven't been, um, there's another question I can tell. Me? No, I don't know. You're staring. No, at I was just looking at the chat. For some reason, Super TA's last thing that he just said said his uh, message was retracted, but I don't know why. Um, well, I must have answered it on accident. <laughs> um, well, we're we are. Uh, well over an hour now, and I don't want to take up any more of your time. And I appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, I this has been a, a fun show. I I enjoyed the the little segment piece we did with the comments. It seemed like we had some good laughs in there, and I hope the people watching were able to laugh at that as well. Um, keep that going. I think it's I think it's a good thing to do. Keep us humble. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, for those watching, if you guys missed the earlier part of the show, I do take all of this and put it into podcast form. Um, you can find the podcast in the links in the description below. Um, all of John's stuff is down there too. But if I imagine if you're, if you know who I am, you definitely know who John is. Um, but John, do you have anything, any, uh, any things that you have coming up in the future that you want to give a little sneak preview to or? Mm, nope, not yet. I, I have some fun stuff cooking right now, and I do not want to let anybody know yet. Uh, let's just say this. Spring is going to be on us before we know it, and it is going to be an awesome year. Um, but it just needs to stay tuned. All right. Keeping us on the edge of our seats. Thanks a lot, John. <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure. Anything I can do for you. Um, well, I, I really do sincerely appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Uh, before you guys head off the show, if you wouldn't mind uh, hitting the like button, subscribe smash. if you like what I'm doing. Yes, yeah, smash it, leave some comments, all that. Um, <laughs> but I hope you guys have, have a great weekend. I hope this was maybe a great start to your weekend, something to just uh, re uh, unwind from maybe not too bad of a week, I hope. So, um, John, thanks again so much for, for coming on tonight. And uh, we will see you guys next Friday. I got uh, Robert from uh, Turf Therapy coming on next week. So I think that's going to be a Love fun one. Guy. 
Um, so you guys have a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I greatly appreciate and we'll see you next week. <laughs>